Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. An opium den on the first floor? Prison cells in the basement? The viaduct has seen all sorts of strange and unusual activity over the ages, and if you're looking to discover what London's original gin palaces might have looked like, then it is a perfect example. The viaduct is an authentic survivor of gin palace style of the Victorian era in England. The Viaduct Tavern opened in 1869 and is protected by law by a Grade 2 listing. The Corner Tavern features a ceiling of hand-beaten copper plating painted a deep burgundy. Mirrors are decorated with 24-karat gold gilding and the walls are adorned by paintings of the four Ladies of Holborn Viaduct. Sounds intriguing, doesn't it? But guess what? The tavern is also very haunted. If you're brave enough to venture into the cellar, you'll find several disused prison cells which apparently date back to the days when the area was used as a prison. The pub is just across the road from the Old Bailey and its interior design is based on a flamboyant Victorian opera house. But what we're interested in are who are the ghosts of the Viaduct Tavern? I guess if I was going to haunt somewhere, a tavern wouldn't be a bad place. Hi, my name's Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode, we find out if there is more than just the spirits of an alcoholic variety at the Viaduct Tavern in London. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Welcome back to the studio, Anne. Thank you, Renata, and I'd like to welcome you back to the studio as well. Oh, thank you, Anne. Hasn't it been a good week? 
It's been an awesome week. Thank I'm you very much. I'm feeling like I'm getting my life back together a little bit here. I feel like I've I've uh, slowed down just a tad, but I, I don't know if it's slowed down. I think I've got myself more organised because I'm making lists. Really? Oh, I find that difficult to believe. I'm using Trello and I'm mm. making lists mm-hmm. and that way I can actually see what I've done because you know how you get to the end of the day and you go, I've done nothing. Mm. But you have. You've been busy all day, mm-hmm. but you feel like you've done nothing. Mm-hmm. Now I can see what I've done. And mm. this isn't an ad for Trello, by the way. This is just, um, I'm really appreciating it. It's free too. Mm, absolutely. Um, but we've had some really great uh, comments and interesting comments in regards to our last episode we did with the comedian, comedian words, Isaac Butterfield. Didn't we? Yes. Yes. Thank you for joining me, Renata. <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. Oh, look, there's some classics. <laughs> We thought we'd read some out because they're just great. Yes, so we did um, at the beginning of the year, actually. We went uh, with Isaac Butterfield and Claire. Now, Isaac is uh, a Australian comedian um, who has a huge following on YouTube. So yeah, head 1. on over 7 there. 7 something million. <laughs> yeah, head on over there and subscribe. Um, he sometimes calls himself or someone has called him the Buttsman. Yes, um, and but, I accidentally keep calling him the Buttsman, which means something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we've uh, known him for a little while and I've kind of knew him uh, a number of years back when I first started doing the ghost tours. When he was a teenager. Yeah, and look, honestly, he is the gentlest, kindest soul ever. Oh, don't tell Uh, people that. Yeah, but he's he's been uh, offering us, which we are so grateful for, an opportunity to go ghost hunting with him uh, in a series that he has called The Devil's Advocate, where uh, he goes in and shows many different sides of a ghost story. Hmm. And uh, at the beginning of this year, we did a segment with him uh, and it was in a fan's home. So one of his fans contacted him and said, look, I've got something uh, really spooky going on at my place. Would you be so kind enough to come out and um, bring the ladies with you and see if you can get down to uh, what is really happening? So we were invited Mm. to a place on the Gold Coast Mm -hmm. and uh, we spent uh, an afternoon there. And an evening. And an evening going through the likelihood or possibility of what was going on within her home. Uh, And you can find that on his YouTube channel. Um, It is called... It's something about investigating a yeah, fan's investigating home. a subscriber's haunted house. There That's what it is. Um, it's had two point six million views. What? Um, two point six k views. That's k, oh, not sorry, million. Sorry, sorry two point six thousand no, views. No, let's let's look at that again. <laughs> It's had 40,052 oh, 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 views. Okay. It's had 2.6K likes, oh, Renata. like, sorry. Oops. <laughs> Oopsies. I'm not au fait with all of this stuff. Yeah. But we've gone through some of the um, replies. Oh, have you got a comment? Uh, and comments. You, you read I, I had comment? one, but then I had to, I had to go well, back. I've got two. So uh, right. have you got one there ready no, to go? No, no, you go. All you right. Go. So this one that says... That was a great vid, guys. Well done. Kudos to your approach in dealing with this. I will say that when watching it, when watching it, I had something happen that's not ever occurred before. It was at the very end when talking about the girl Renata was saying how her granddad will be there as long as she needs him and gets a little shudder and goosebumps. At the exact moment she feels this, I myself got jolted and had my leg twitch and shudder through me. It was gentle and not threatening. 
Could be just incredible uncanny timing, but I believe it was my brother reassuring me he's here doing the same for me. Isn't that beautiful? That was from Ali. Oh, thank you, Ali. Um, Have you got one yet? There's so many there. And look, it was received really well because we do private investigations very differently than what we do a famous haunted location or an alleged haunted location. So um, we, we try to tailor the experiments to things that suit the location like when we went to the satanic tunnel where there's supposed to be satanic rituals and things like that happening we tried to do something that would provoke the spirits into engaging with us it's not our belief system or anything like that but you've got to do something that will make their spiritual ears prick up and want to engage with you Mm -hmm. and we got an interesting comment on that but i'm waiting to see if renata's got a comment i'm trying to fill here for you (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Oh, no, no, wait, she's found one. She's got one. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, right, nothing to see here, viewers. Lol, WTF. It's my experience that people who can't see spirits or are mediums don't know what the hell is happening or know what they're talking about. Cute grannies, but seriously, folks. (laughs) So unless they are clairvoyant, how can they know? For sure, it's great debunking logical interference, but that door closing due to air conditioning drafts is a load of crapola. Sorry, love, but geez. And before you all give me your opinion, remember this is mine based on experience with an entity many years ago. Have at it. <laughs> Have at it, lol. All right. Right, okay. whatever. That was good. But this I've got, is... I've got another one. You got another one? one? All right, yeah. go second one. I tend to think there is generally a logical explanation for the types of things that this young woman and her family have experienced, just like you guys talked about in this video. But I have left some room in that statement of my beliefs for the possibility of something more that I might know about and have maybe never experienced personally oh this is a really long one yeah doesn't matter to me if her granddad is there or not i know focusing on positive energies is far better than negative ones yes absolutely and if he actually is there like you said he's there to protect her i wish them all well so well done guys but we've had some doozies um targeting us oh, this, this is my favorite that, that we're all crap so can, go can ahead. i read this oh, one you can. oh uh, this will be the last one i promise bernard said the paranormal grannies are agents of the Antichrist. <laughs> I want a T-shirt with that. Oh, yeah, can we? Um, they attempted to make Isaac say the Lord's Prayer backwards in the previous ghost hunting video, or it's actually a few back, and now they're telling this young girl to get rid of her Jesus and Mary pictures. <laughs> FFS, be careful, Isaac. Otherwise, I thoroughly enjoyed the video. <laughs> great and as i said we we try to do experiments that are appropriate to the location that we are investigating to try and get some sort of activity so we weren't saying to isaac to renounce his beliefs or anything like that we were trying to get some sort of activity happening in the location so um yeah obviously he's um we've triggered him Poor Bernard, we've triggered him. Anyway. <laughs> oh, there are some gorgeous ones. We might do some more of these um, uh, on one of our lives, but my goodness. Oh, they love targeting people. Oh, they do. Everyone, <laughs> Everyone's an expert. Uh, but uh, now it's time to tell a story. Oh, yes. The Viaduct Tavern was quite quiet 
which is a rare occurrence apparently, the staff were welcoming and my partner made the decision to ask the barmaid if we could go down into the cellar. Some reviews of the pub say the staff are rude and uncooperative. This is complete nonsense. They couldn't do enough for us and eagerly took us down, although she did go a bit quiet on the way down the stairs. The stairs down to the beer cellar are steep and old. The smell of the cellar, along with the old musty smell, hits you first, but it actually adds to the experience. At the bottom, you go across the beer cellar negotiating the barrels to a door, which is kept locked at the far side. What hits you when you open the door is the cold. It's it's like walking into a dark, miserable, musty, deep freeze. The barmaid wouldn't come in. She stood at the door. I asked her if she would shut the door behind her. She said rather resolutely, no. The cellar of the viaduct tavern itself is small. I would say roughly 16 foot by 6 foot, and it contains a row of cells on the opposite way to the door, and another row to the right as you walk in. To the left of you is an alcove which is home to another few cells. The small light illuminates the area, and it is hard to believe that anything survived down here. The cells are no more than three foot square each, and stack up one on top of each other. There are probably 18 cells in the cellar itself. Apparently a guest of the establishment was put in each of the squares and basically left there to rot or until they were lucky enough to get a trial. All they could do was sit hunched up on their knees. Minimal movement could be achieved and they were fed and watered in their cells. I feel really sorry for the inmate at the bottom. Must have been a horrid place to be. Above you in the ceiling is a hole that is now sealed with a plug of perspex or similar. It lets in some light, but again, it's minimal. This really is a depressing place to be and you actually start to feel the pain of the people kept here. At this point, the barmaid took a photograph of my partner and I and then she turned, closed the door and turned the light off. Cells darkness and oppressive. You can hear muffled voices from the world outside and the darkness is very oppressive with only a small shaft of light above you and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and the room feels like it is closing in around you. We don't suffer from claustrophobia, but it was extremely uncomfortable in there at this moment. The barmaid realised this. They obviously do it to people on a regular basis. She giggled, turned the lights on and opened the door. It was a relief, to be honest. We had a good old poke around the cellar. The walls are as cold and damp as they feel. We took some pictures and left feeling quite happy to be going back to the real world, back to the light, so to speak. The 
that soundscape today came from Spooky Isles and was written by Alison Top. She went there with her partner and uh, they were lucky enough to go down into the cells and have a poke around. Mm. Very exciting. Yeah. Now, when we came across this one to do, um, we kind of shrieked a little bit with excitement because we realised that on our last trip just a few weeks ago uh, when we met our beautiful friend Beth, who now lives over in London, she invited us to have a drink with her uh, and it was at the Viaduct. It was at the Viaduct Tavern. It was. And she was trying to tell us some of the history, but it was so loud in there. Oh, my gosh. And I even made sure I had my hearing aids in so I could hear because I'm dreadful with background noise. And um, I struggled to hear her. I heard yeah. bits and pieces. And, I, and I'm sure you're going to tell us some of that in the history part. So I won't go into that there. But it was an eclectic group of people in the bar, wasn't it? Yes, and because it is in the, the space where it is within London, uh, it attracts people from all of the businesses surrounding it yes. uh, before they go home. So they have a drink. So they're very well-dressed young men, very beautifully dressed young women. Very beautiful men and women. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And they all took delight in standing there for hours and hours and not moving. Yeah. And we'd have these random people, because we were sitting at a table, they would just all of a sudden dump their glasses next to us on the table as we are in the middle of the conversation. We're going, excuse me? (laughs) And there was people bumping into you and there there were some of those very handsome people that were very drunk. Yes, yes. Um, But they seem to be like um, lawyers and uh, solicitors, Mm -hmm. that sort of Mm -hmm. clientele. And then there was us Mm who have been in the same clothes for like two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And um, there was one lady who who got talking to us and I think she was looking at one of our shirts and wanted to know more about it. And um, she was very excited. So if you're listening, let us know because she (laughs) said she was going to become a fan. Um, But... I got introduced to gin there. I've never drunk gin before. I've tried to taste. I didn't like gin, mm-hmm. but they only had gin cocktails. And I went, oh, well, we've got to have a cocktail. We're here. We don't have to drive anywhere. So I ordered myself a cocktail and it was delicious. Mm. And I do believe you had one too. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, and of course, the viaduct was known as a gin palace. And I'm going to be talking about that in a minute. So they're continuing the history of uh, the... The type of uh, atmosphere that used to be in the pub and uh, this has kind of opened up a whole new area of uh, ghostly sites that we need to look into Mm -hmm. because it's so close to other very, very haunted sites in the area, literally across the road. Yes. We think we might actually do a follow-up next week. No, let's do it. Let's let's say we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, We will do a follow-up that sort of leads on from this one. Um, but uh, yeah, now Renata's going to get on to the history mm-hmm. and then I'll tell you some of the ghost stories. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave a little bit right until the end, uh, but let, let me just sort of regale you with just a little bit of this whole viaduct tavern thing. So, you know, if you're there and if you're in London and you want to get to the viaduct, it's it, don't even think about trying to park anywhere close by. You just get the, the underground. Um, and it's one of those places where uh, if you don't know London well, you will get lost. And we did get lost. We found, we found it a little bit difficult to find. 
Um, and then you sort of turn around, you realise you're staring at it, <laughs> which is really, really weird. Yeah, the maps were sort of a little bit weird on that. They were sort of saying you were there and we're going, I can't see can't anything. See. <laughs> there's God, nothing. There's no then we sort of peered down around the corner and there it was. We ended up ringing Beth and saying, help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor darling. She was sitting at the window staring at everyone going past, going, where are they? They were really late. <laughs> yeah, so the pub is across the road from what is now the Old Bailey, and that's um, now on my bucket list to go and uh, visit yes. the Old Bailey. And the interior design is based on, uh, as we said in the introduction, flamboyant Victorian-era opera house. So it was it was one of those places where they wanted to, and if you look at, at pictures of old gin palaces um, in London, they all look very similar in that they are excruciatingly, painfully and delightfully just over the top. There are decorative pieces everywhere. The colours are garish and and gaudy. There are chandeliers and everything is to, you know, the greatest extent, which just makes them absolutely beautiful. So for a couple of hundred years, gin was London's most popular drink and at one time, Virtually every street in the city uh, was said to have somewhere where you could buy it or drink it uh, on the premises or to take it home. Now, one of the reasons was that it was cheap. It was usually badly made and the desperately poor virtually lived on this stuff. And really, that's because most of the water that was available to drink was contaminated. Yeah. You couldn't drink it. And like alcohol is boiled and distilled. Yes. And so it was a safer way to yes. to get fluids. So just like nuts. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and so it was called Mother's Ruin. That was the reputation. <laughs> Any drink like that, Mother's Ruin. And um, it's shown in the famous paintings by Hogarth that are portrayed uh, when he paints the desperate state of thousands of the poor alcoholics in the city slums. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually gin's reputation changed and thanks to the various acts of parliament, it began to be sold in more respectable establishments. So you had to. So actually... does that mean that the nice people got a taste for the crap, oh. <laughs> and so they're going to make? Remember they did that to white bread, um, like only the the peasants ate brown bread because that was sort of like the the refuse of the bread, and white bread was for the the upper upper class. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Didn't you? No. And then all of a sudden they've decided that brown bread is healthier for you, so they've now turned it and <laughs> turned it on its head. The marketing people have got to it and made brown bread sound so much more sexier than white bread. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, that, that well, was a thing. I had no idea about this whole history of gin uh, in um, London and England, but we discovered gin when we went to uh, England last time when Did it we? was around uh, Christmas. And remember when we went to all of the markets and oh, every yes. second stall had flavoured gin? Oh, that's right. And we're going, what the hell's with this gin thing? Why, why are they selling so much gin here? No one drinks gin in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, the, oh, the glue vine. Oh, oh, I do like the glue vine. But, yeah, long history of gin, absolutely. Um, and so licensed by the authorities now, these places were becoming very attractive and they had these ornate fittings and gas lighting and long counters and large glass windows and they quickly became known as gin palaces. Yeah. So it was probably as close to living in a palace or being in a palace that you could get. Yeah, it was very and ornate. It, yes, and it cost you 
cost you a drink. That's all it costs you. Yeah. Um, so the Viaduct Tavern is a really good example of this. And, of course, gin now is trendy again. As as we said before, everyone's making flavoured gin. Mm-hmm. And gin bars are now reopening all across London. And so here we go again. History is repeating itself. Uh-huh. You know, even on Norfolk Island, uh, Ticketek Joe uh, introduced me to this canned drink with pink gin. It was delicious. <laughs> yes. I had a few of those. Well, you know, not too many, but I did have a – I've mm. had a few bevies that night with mm-hmm. Joe. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of mirrors and etched glass panels uh, that you will see in this pub and in pubs all around the country from that particular period. And the traditional pub bar is really a, a relic of the counters that were used to serve were used to serve in the dram shops that precede the gin palaces. Now, what is a dram shop? You may ask. That would be whiskey or scotch or something, wouldn't it? Mm. By the dram. Well, a dram shop is a bar, a tavern or similar commercial establishment where alcoholic beverages are sold. But traditionally, it is a shop where spirits were sold by the dram, uh-huh, which a is a small unit of liquid. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's a shot. It's kind of, yeah. Shot yeah, shop. Yeah. So the viaduct is also thought to have hosted an opium den on the first floor. Uh, and at one point, uh, this was what they say, a pub that really knew how to show its patrons a good time because it also had a brothel. Oh, <laughs> they covered everything. Yes. Couldn't find much information about the opium den, but I guess you wouldn't. Well, that's that the whole probably, idea. Yeah, it's like what happens down. in the opi- opium den stays, stays in, in the, the opium, opium den. den. <laughs> but back then also, opium dens were kind of... There was a period of time when opium dens were really sort of popular and you could go in and you would have your smoke opium and there'd be beds, so lounges where you could sort of lie down and recuperate. Yeah, enjoy your stupor. Yeah, so that was kind of the fun time of the era. We need that just to get through the afternoon these days. (laughs) Yes. So the Viaduct pub sits at the entrance of uh, the Holborn Viaduct and was named to commemorate the roads building in 1869. Uh, and that was it was the year that the pub opened. So the Viaduct itself was the very first ever in central London and it was considered a major architectural achievement by Queen Victoria. Now, what is a viaduct? We've, pro- we, we've all seen them. Uh, so they're a long bridge-like structure, typically a series of arches that carry a road or railway across a valley or other low ground. So yeah. to have a viaduct in the middle of London would have been just extreme. Yeah. Crazy. I wonder if it's something to do with the shape of the windows or something that made it look like a viaduct. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe. I'm why. just trying to remember what it looked like. Mm. We didn't. It was dark when we arrived. We were oh, flustered well, they, and they we were do late. Have, they do have arched windows all around. We, the... were, we were coming back from somewhere that we were really late. Yes, we were really late. Was it the flights? Well, I think we were actually we'd flown back from Ireland, and the flights were late getting back from Ireland, then getting the hire car, and then getting to our location. Then we had to run out and jump on the the tube to get to to Beth. Yes. Yeah, and that was our first our first um, hours in London. Yeah, we were trying to work out how to get from the tube um, or from where we were. How to get on the tube? On the tube. How to pay for the tube? <laughs> 
we worked it out at the end. So over the years, there have been whisperings at the pub uh, that uh, it had prison cells in the basement. Um, and these are thought to be part of Newgate Prison across the street, which was dem- demolished in 1902 to make way for the Old Bailey. Now, also, at the far side of the courtyard, there is an ancient brick wall. Now, behind this wall is part of a narrow passageway which once belonged to Newgate Prison, and it's, it was called the Dead Man's Walk. Why was it called the Dead Man's now, Walk, it, Renata? It was called the Dread Dead Man's Walk. The Dread Man's Walk. Dread Man's They're Walk. Dreadies. Because it was a grim covered passageway that hundreds of condemned prisoners walked to their trials and executions. And this passageway got narrower and narrower at the closer you got so that the prisoner could not turn around and try and escape. Ah. Oh. That's very clever. Yes. Somebody thought about that before they built it. Now, there, this is also where the Black Dog of Newgate uh, was seen over the centuries. So this is what I'm saying, that this viaduct is the the portal, the central piece yeah. of where all of these hauntings that surround it so and are like within a it. It is. <gasps> so th- so all the ghosts go there to drink. Oh okay. I, I can I can spirits are spirits. Yeah. Um, now, public executions were a big draw card for the whole family in the early days when uh, Newgate Prison was there. And um, I'm just going to tell you this little bit that is associated by one gentleman who wrote a, a blog post. He remembers in the 50s. Oh, I remember listening, when. Listening to the wireless uh, about... Uh, when all of these hangings were to occur. So let me let me just read this or I'll get it all wrong. Okay. Um, public executions were used to be uh, used to be a big uh, draw card. Uh, and from my own family, listening to the radio uh, regarding announcements of people being hanged over the wireless in the 50s was almost like settling down to binge watch the latest season of Queer Eye. In the 19th, in the 19th century, Newgate hangings were supposed to be the most sombre version of punishment that happened at Tyburn, the nearby St Sepulchre, which would decades later hold the funeral of the Sausage King, which I haven't found oh. out who he is oh. yet. I'm sure we will. Tolling oh, I wonder what he's famous for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping he made good sausages because otherwise it might mean something completely different. Tolling throughout proceedings to emphasise the sombre mood. Uh, you would stop at nearby Farrington. People flocked to the scaffold and the party atmosphere at the death of Fenian Michael Barrett, who was the last public hanging when things were moved indoors, played out in front of jubilant spectators who reveled in the macabre display. So um, the viaduct was across the road from Newgate. So everyone would go prior to, during and after the hanging to the viaduct for drinks. Oh. Yeah. Uh, It's reported that spectators belted out Rule Britannia and Champagne Charlie as Fenian swung 
for a crime he actually didn't commit. Oh, once, wow. And once people had been cut down, they would be taken back to the prison where their incarceration would continue. And we're going to talk about that next Hang week. On. The after they were cut down. Yes, I'll talk about that next week. The, they're dead. All yes. right, we'll talk about that next yes. week. <laughs> yes. So we're As doing a, Newgate Prison next week. Yes, right. yes. Execution day was always on a Monday around 12 times a year and the enthusiasm for the show cannot be overstated. 30,000 people were standard. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What? 30,000 people to watch. You wonder how much they got to see. Not a lot. They were there for the gym. I reckon getting into the viaduct and hanging out some of those windows would have been a costly affair. I guarantee if there was a way to make a buck, they would have been doing it. Now, there was one serial prison breaker called Jack Shepard who was hanged and it drew a a crowd of 200,000, which is around a third of the city's population. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, that, that comes from a post um, that's called uh, walkwithme.london. Uh, and, yeah, there'll be a lot more that I'll talk about, um, about next that week. next week. Next week. But this, this sort of is kind of where this grisly history of the viaduct and the prisoners and, and the um, uh, Newgate Cemetery across the road and uh, where all these spirits are coming from. Yeah. So today the viaduct still, I'm having trouble with my my words, sorry. The viaduct still has that gin palace feel 
which is why it's a favourite drinking haunt for many who love historic pubs. And there are many historic pubs walks around the area. So if you like a tipple and if you like pub history, when you find yourself in London, go on a historic pub walk. Nice. it will be awesome. Now We're going to do a, a pub walk when we go to New Orleans in yes. November 2023. Keep yes. an eye out. That tour will be announced in the next couple of months. Now, we've talked about gin palaces and what they are. And again, they're a public house. And actually, that's, that's where the word pub comes from public house yeah the pub yep um and they are known especially for being gaudily or pretentiously decorated mm-hmm. which yes they it are. was yeah. it definitely was now interestingly enough the viaduct also has a toll booth in the pub now yes. we didn't see this well but i think i did you went up for a drink yes yeah, so i went to the bar and ordered the, the mm-hmm. alcohol and i also ordered a toasty Yes. Uh, apparently, it's famous for its toasties. I didn't know that at the time. I was looking at it going, do I only got toasties for dinner? This is going to be a bit rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was actually a very nice toastie. Yeah, it was. And we they sort though. of went around to an area at the back, uh-huh. um, which was like a little booth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where they made up the toastie. So I'm, I'm assuming that is the toll booth. Yes, that's the toll booth. And that's where the landlord used to sell beer tokens to the public to stop the staff getting their hands on the money. Oh. So he, they would have to go and get a token. Yep. And that's how they could get their beer. I bet they got around it somehow oh. or other. But I, I want to talk about, because I found this, um, blackboard that is up on the viaduct and it uh, actually has some interesting uh, information on it. So you can actually find this uh, in the Viaduct Tavern. It says the Viaduct Tavern was established in 1869, the year in which the Queen Victoria opened the Holborn Viaduct, the first viaduct ever built of the namesake of the tavern. Originally built as a gin palace for the upper echelons of London society, it was the first public building in London to have an electrical lighting system. Oh, very much, flash. Much of the interior oh, sorry, is still original to this day, thankfully not the electrics. Note the large Victorian paintings along the wall which depict the statues of the Holborn Viaduct. They represent, from left to right, arts, science, banking, agriculture, and are, of course, listed. Now, a quality alehouse, the cellar houses one permanent resident, a ghost affectionately known as Fred and accredited with many mishaps within. Yeah, don't you be talking about my ghost stories. No, 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 no. And just uh, one interesting thing about those paintings that we just mentioned. They are huge, Um, by the way. Yeah, the pub has three paintings, each featuring a maiden representing agriculture, banking and the arts. The latter has her bottom defaced by a drunken soldier in the First World War who allegedly fired his rifle at it. Mm -hmm. I heard that somebody stuck a bayonet in it. Yeah. Whichever whichever story they is true. They poked her in the bum. They did. They did. Um, and I'm going to finish up on that because I want to go back to uh, something later on. Oh, oh, okay. So I'll let you carry on with the ghost stories. All right. Well, it's my turn. So it must be time to go down the rabbit hole. So I looked into the stories of the ghosts of the Viaduct Tavern and uh, I found many, many reports on the internet, 
left, right and centre on Huey YouTube and they're um, all the same. (laughs) (sighs) Strange about that. Funny about that, isn't it? Uh, So... I found a few articles that I've I've pulled some stories from and I will report them to you. One is from BuzzFeed uh, where the two guys there actually went and did an investigation uh, but they also interviewed people and got what the stories were. Uh, one was about a landlord's daughter. In eight, uh, 1892, 1982 uh, the landlord's daughter was reading a newspaper in the upstairs loft when she reportedly heard footsteps coming quickly up the steps. The door swung open, the newspaper was thrown from her hands, then the door shut and she heard footsteps descending down the stairs. She searched the pub afterwards but didn't find anyone around. Oh, that's a weird thing. Just came in and chucked the paper out of her hand and stormed out. I wonder if they thought she shouldn't have been lounging around reading the paper and there was work to be done and they're whipping her up. Or maybe it was somebody looking for a a little dove, as they like to call them, and thought that uh, maybe she'd be good if she could only put the newspaper down. I wonder if that's like that in today's society, if they're too busy on their TikToks and Facebooks doing messages that their customers are saying, well, hang on, what about me? Mm. I wouldn't know. Do you know, Renata? No, no, I don't. (laughs) You sure? No. No, okay. Uh, In uh, 1999, now this is one that I saw reported a lot. There were two electricians who were working upstairs. One claimed to feel a tap on the shoulder, um, though there was nobody there. Apparently it happened a few times and he sort of turned around and said to his mate he was working with, what do you want? And he goes, I didn't do anything. His Mm -hmm. mate was over the other side of the room. Uh, But then the two of them reported witnessing a roll of carpet rising into the air and falling back to the floor. This makes folks believe there's some sort of poltergeist in the loft above the tavern and it's responsible for these strange occurrences. Mm Mm-hmm. So I I didn't see anything else in there that was really, oh, apart from some taps and bangs, that was mm-hmm. terribly poltergeist-like. But does it fit the uh, definition of a poltergeist? Well, a noisy it, ghost. A noisy ghost, yeah, and moving things around. Moving things around doesn't yeah. have to necessarily. See, we we automatically um, assume that all port- poltergeists are going to be evil. Yes, but where's the pebbles? We need rocks thrown. Mm. We know that from the last week's episode. There's little pebbles and stones being thrown around and from the Humpty Doo one. Anyway, let's continue on. There was another landlord who recalls all the lights suddenly going out. That would be frightening. Mm -hmm. The door slamming and hearing somebody whisper... There's just two of us down here now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, that's the start of a horror movie. Oh, it is. It is. Oh, my God. That would freak me out if all the lights had gone off and I was stuck downstairs. Um, and uh, he was eventually rescued because he got locked in there because of the door slamming. Uh, he was rescued uh, when his wife heard his cries. Oh, you imagine that? Help me. Help me. There's just two of us sitting here now. <laughs> I mean, if it was your wife down there saying that, that would be, oh, good times are about to ensue. But no, I think if it's the boogeyman, oh, not interested. That's terrifying. That's ectoplasmic slime we don't want. Mm. Right. And that basically is the list of stories from the viaduct. <laughs> so I'm done. No, I'm not done. Uh, I, I dug around a little bit more and it turned out that the ghost club 
had been down there as well. Uh-huh. And they did a very thorough report. Uh, and again, I found a little bit of information which matches your information, which we're going to leave to the very end. Mm-hmm. We're going to tantalise you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they talked about the opium den. They talked about the bayonet of a soldier um, you know, in the scuffle going through the picture. Um, so... They described during the familiarization Mm -hmm. tour what everything is now used for. So obviously the ground floor, and we we say ground floor, first floor, second floor, third floor, whereas America, first floor is the ground floor. Mm -hmm. So be aware we're doing ground first, second, third. Uh, The first floor is presently used as a stock room. The second floor is used as a staff area or a training area. And then the floors above that are in a general state of disrepair. So there's like wallpaper peeling off and they even had to warn people to be careful of the holes in the ground. Oh, how sad. Considering where this pub is located, you think that would be prime property. And it's also a grade two listing, so you think there'd be some sort of responsibility to keep that place up to scratch. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, no, no, it all costs money. Now, uh, there was some psychic impressions that were made mm-hmm. uh, during their walk, and this was f- from a lady called Lisa. She said, during the tour of the pub on the first floor landing, I picked up a woman aged in her 30s. She was dressed in a black Victorian dress with a bustle and a small black bonnet on the top of her head. She was a very large woman, more like a man dressed as a woman. She wasn't fat, just big. She had unkempt straw-like blonde hair, probably tied back in a bun with lots of strands coming out. Uh, I picked up on the name Kate and the murder of a prostitute connected with her. She was quite red-faced, like a heavy drinker. Mm. Mm, I wonder if her hubby had been down at the Viaduct Tavern with the the prozies and she's uh, caught them and murdered them. Mm. The description sounds very much like me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going blonder now. So I used to be a redhead. Well, I was blonde to start with. Um, So what they they also noted, and this is good for debunking, that when they were in certain areas, um, the lighting conditions were not that great and there was leakage from the uh, large windows outside um, and there was some noise pollution, particularly down in the cellar from a refrigeration unit and a small fan. Even though they'd asked them to turn off all electricity or the air conditioning particularly, they couldn't because they've got to keep that compressor going. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they could turn off some of the air conditioning to the floors, but they had to keep that compressor going. So then they divided it all up and they had some vigils where they had people in the cellar, people in the bar and the toilets, and they had people on mainly the third floor, but there was also the fourth and the fifth uh, floor as well. So um, some of the activity that they had, um, well, a lot of light pollution and noise traffic from outside. Uh, There was some bangs, but they worked out that that was a manhole that was being driven over by a bus. Mm -hmm. I thought these were great. Then they they dug out the dowsing rods Mm -hmm. and it made contact with a man and a lady. 
Now, when the right-hand rod crossed, it was the man answering. When the left one crossed, it was the lady answering. It was very peculiar for them. Okay. I thought you were supposed to use both of them, but, you know, we'll just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Now, using these dowsing rods, they, uh, they ascertained that the man had been a patron and the lady had been a barmaid, a possibly a prostitute. I find this very hard to kind of believe from Me the too. ghost club. <laughs> Me too. you got to go... Um, they're doing all this great debunking work, and, and then, then they, they use dowsing rods d- to. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm all just, right. I'm really confused. It's like a mash of um, parapsychologists and um, spiritualists. Yes, <laughs> and some crossovers that just don't make sense. But I'm reporting, reporting what has been caught here. Um, the date of 1902 was significant. Queen Victoria was the reigning monarch. Uh, even though that Queen Victoria died in 1901. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> doesn't, that, doesn't that put it into... Oh, we got a snort. Oh, I thought we were never going to hear Renata's oh, wheeze no. again. Oh, no. Yeah. Does, does that mean that really the whole session is put into doubt if, <sighs> if these things are wrong? Oh. There goes my moan. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at some stage or other, they also noticed there was a sound of a weighty bag or something slipping off a table onto the floor. They didn't find anything. There were no bags from the chairs on the floor and uh, nothing else was out of place. And they did hear that large bang, loud bang again uh, near one of the doors. So Mm -hmm. again, was that the bus outside that it's, in a very noisy part of London. Yes. Uh, then we go on to the third floor and they're talking about a fair bit of movement because they had the plan shut out and oh. they had a female spirit appeared to make contact from a series of questions asked and responses given. They ascertained the following. She worked at the tavern in 1878 as a prostitute <laughs> and was murdered. Seems to be a running thing, doesn't it? <laughs> It's almost like the the Victorian lady in the white dress and white nightgown. There just seems to be murdered prostitutes everywhere. <laughs> but I mean, in those days, there that's were, quite there possibly. Would have been. Absolutely, there, there would have been. been. Yeah, the dates were 1870 to 1880, um, and that was significant, as was 1875. But I... Look, this is how investigations should be done. They've actually got like 2100, Joe felt a draft from the kitchen area. 2105, Sue complained of a headache but said it was gone by 2117. 2111, the temperature appeared to drop. Measurements confirmed the temperature had gone down to 10 degrees Celsius. Joe felt the floor was moving. A room was rocking. Oh, that must have been a prostitute. Uh, tw- tw- oh, no, 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 go away. No, that's that's the husband. He can, sorry, go away. <laughs> Love you dearly, but let's let's get rid of the husband. Um, he heard the word prostitute. He did. <laughs> he heard, heard the room was rocking and he was in there. Oh, yeah. no, he wasn't in there. Is that an invitation? Is that an open invitation? Honestly, any, any attempt. Um, hang on, now I've lost me. me, me oh, the floor was rocking. 21.14, the temperature appeared to get a little warmer and measurements confirmed. Oh, it was 12 oh, degrees. Oh. Somebody fired. <laughs> but they, they go on with all of these things and they're marking the exact time mm-hmm. so that you can correlate it to another person in another area. Mm-hmm. So if they've got, if they say, oh, I dropped a bag on the floor at this time and then mm-hmm. someone said, I heard a bang mm-hmm. at that time, then you'll be able to debunk it. That's, I that's think that's very good. Very good note taking. Really, I like really it. good. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa seems to be very prominent. 
um, in some of these things. Lisa felt there was a general feeling in the atmosphere that of punishment was temporary. She's talking about the cells. Lisa saw a brown figure rush past her. Um, then they did a question and an answer session, and uh, John said, "Are any spirits present?" And the rods crossed, and Lisa saw a white flash. Ah. <laughs> Saviour of the universe. Uh, so yeah, they're hearing thuds and the, but um, really there wasn't anything of note. Oh, there there was in the toilets. Uh, Lisa felt a sudden weight on her shoulders, <laughs> um, and they had at one stage the hand dryer go off mm-hmm. by itself. By itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was interesting. Um, they, they also felt uh, on the third floor, Paul felt unusual shortness of breath and Monica joined him at the same area in a few minutes and reported the same symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's not because they've just climbed to the third floor. I don't know. I'd be it, short, it would, it would short be of me. breath for half an hour <laughs> with me. Um, so they heard shuffling footsteps, rada, 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 rada. Uh, and there's a, I'm just going down there, the, the hand dryer going off. And I'm trying to leave the good bit to last. Oh, this was another bit. On the third floor, they were doing the planchette thing again mm-hmm. and um, it was making a vigorous drawing of circles and triangles on inspection in the light it looked remarkably like a pentagram oh, oh. oh. no Satan yes, lives. Satan is there. Um, then we have another vigil later on where they had all of the members present and mm-hmm. they were trying to get some table tipping happening. It was not successful. They tried to use the planchette again. Had good results. Uh, it was slow to start. It was making large swooping circles. Um, Philip asked... Uh, when we asked... Philip to describe the executions which happened outside Newgate Prison, the board felt energised and was moving vigorously around the table. On inspection of the paper afterwards, it again looked very similar to... A pentagram. The the, the pentagon. (laughs) The pentagram, yes. (laughs) All right. So, look, that's, that's sort of it. So, no, no mention of Fred... Who is apparently the... Oh, I did... Oh, no, I did have a mention of Fred somewhere. Oh, there we are. Um, uh, the, this is in the story I was going to do as the soundscape. Uh, and they said the paranormal on the upper floors is attributed to a murdered prostitute. <laughs> there we go again. The landlord at the time... Oh, Supernanik Bapathong. says several... <laughs> Bapathong. Supanik, I'm sorry. You're a lovely person, but I've just ruined your name. Uh, So several mediums have visited the tavern and all either saw or felt spirits. One saw a face in an upstairs window. Others claimed to have seen or sensed a spirit nicknamed Fred haunting the cellar. That's it. Okay. That is so surprising considering where this place is. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do have a little bit more debunking there if you want me to. Uh, the the hand dryer going off in the toilet could have been faulty or old electronics or a bug flying underneath it. Um, 
Oh, it'd take more than a bug to turn one of those on. Yeah, I would agree. But I would also go if there's a drop of temperature or um, something like that, that can make the wiring go off or something like that with uh, expansion and contraction. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I'd have to look at it. I'd have to send Roman in on that one. The, the A lot of the psychics seem to get involved on the third floor and have um, their feelings about stuff. And uh, the whispered voices that were quite often heard in there could possibly be the refrigeration unit, co- unit which was causing some sort of infrasound, infra making people feel uneasy or that they were being watched. Mm-hmm. The same effect can cause people to feel like they're being touched or they can can see movement in their peripheral vision, vision, all of which have been reported in this location uh, mm-hmm. during a, the, the evening that they were there. So mm-hmm. um, that that's just a little bit of debunking. And yes, sorry, I meant, forgot to mention there were shadows and there were whispers and touches. Yeah. Uh, but that was just all the Ghost Club um, activity. Mm-hmm. But there was something very important. Mm. Yes. That Renata is now going to reveal. Yes. I'm going to let her pull the plug on this one and we'll go gurgling away down the tube. But, but yes and no. Yes and no. Because I have reread and reread and reread this stuff and I think I can put it together. And I think that possibly part of the story is true is just that it's been turned around a little bit because as these stories always do, when you retell them, something gets lost and something gets added. Yes. And something gets misplaced. And it's like that old game, Chinese Whispers. Yes, yes. And it's very interesting in this particular case because I was reading all the stuff that you were, you know, about the cells downstairs mm-hmm. and all of this sort I of stuff. I was so and sad was, we didn't go and look. Yeah, and, you know, um, we uh, went through lots and lots of information. A lot of it was uh, repeated time and time again. And then as I go deeper down into the... Um, rabbit hole that is the internet, I come upon this particular blog that says there are no cells at the Viaduct Tavern. <gasps> what? Yes. But the whole ghost stories and people are feeling ghosts down there and shadows and whispers. I know, and- I know. So he goes on to say, in countless books, guides, apps and websites dealing with secret, hidden and curious London, it is asserted with bland confidence that the cell cellars of the Viaduct Tavern contain cells from old Newgate Prison. Mm-hmm. This is nonsense, but sometimes a picture can help to nail a lie between the, the dates. This image dates from 1897 and he's included it in his blog and shows the last incarnation of Newgate Prison on the same site facing the newly built Viaduct Tavern. And if we look at the picture, uh, and I will post it up on the True Hauntings podcast Facebook page because these pictures are awesome, you have the viaduct on the left-hand side, you have a road running across, um, uh, and on the other side of the road you have Newgate Prison. And you can see the big walls. You can see the big walls, absolutely. Uh, now, Newgate Prison uh, wasn't completely demolished until 1902. The Viaduct Tavern was built in 1869. So before, before it was demolished. Before. Because the idea it was meant to be built on top of the ruins of the old Newgate Prison. Well... Or incorporated. Yes. 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 So you kind of think, well... Because they're, they're saying that it was part of the... Um, yes. Yeah, some reports say the pub is also built on the site of Newgate Prison and or the old Giltspur Street Comp 
Trois, a debtor's prison. Yes. So this, this then, as you said, is very much, I think, what people are getting wrong. Uh, I've got a picture from a book here that I'm looking at, which shows you the cells that you were describing. Have you seen a picture of them? Um, I guess I, I did. Yeah. So yep. I'm just quickly showing Anne. Yep, because they were like these um, square holes. Yep. And so this actually comes from a book, uh, and it's a well-known book uh, called Secret London. And I'll read you a little bit about this. It says, In the 19th century, London society was obsessed with imprisonment and punishment. Capital crimes included impersonating an Egyptian. <laughs> Walk like an Egyptian. Or a gypsy. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. A gypsy. Stealing an heiress. Oh, as you do. As you do. Um, and it's quite interesting because uh, we do have we did have a very well known um, Englishman who came out to Newcastle because he tried to steal an heiress as a convict, or poaching a rabbit. As a result, punishment centres flourished. Um, Tate Britain is built on the site of Millbank Prison, which was eventually closed because inmates tiresomely persisted in dying. Oh, how like dare they! Like remains of the infamous Newgate Prison, the city's main jail for. Almost five centuries. Originally located by a medieval gate in the Roman London Wall, it was extended over the years, remaining in use between 1188 and 1902. So theoretically, theoretically, there could have been cells on the site of the viaduct. If you go back that far back, 1100s, for when part of Newgate Prison was built. I don't have a map of the original Newgate Prison, so I don't know. Maybe there could have been. Um, the cr Central Criminal Courts now stand on the site. However, if you go into the Viaduct Tavern and ask nicely, the staff will show you some of the cells that survived the prison's closure and are now used as part of beer cellars. The underground cells look like the real deal. Although the pub owners have hung prints in the passage down the cells, there is no suggestion of a tourist recreation. One of the cells is a magnet for ghost hunters, but visitors don't need to be psychic to sniff out the misery. The cells are genuinely horrible, bitterly cold, damp and dark with walls of imposing thickness. Up to 20 criminals, usually debtors, were crammed into each one. There was no toilet. One jailer described the stench as being bad enough to choke a horse. The only daylight comes from a tube leading from street level used by relatives or sympathetic passers-by to drop down scraps of food. Because prisons were privately run, prisoners had to pay for the privilege of being locked up or starved to death. Wealthy prisoners could opt for private cells, complete with regular visits from prostitutes. True, true. Um, even more grisly is the old cell um, of the condemned across the road from the Old Bailey. So this is written in a book that is well published and is supposed to be talking about um, like the state of the viaduct and, and all of that. Now, he goes on to say these beer and coal cellars are interpreted in much the same way elsewhere. Sometimes as here in the most embellished and fanciful accounts, the coal holes are referred to as feeding tubes for prisoners. Ah. This is not a feeding tube, but a coal plate mounted above a coal cellar, just like hundreds of thousands still to be found throughout London. Now, 
so and, and just looking at the pictures, um, I reckon it's because they are the long metal, um, uh, what do you call it? Is it vertical uh, bars? It looks like yes. prison um, walls. Yes. Uh, or or the, the, the grating. Yeah. So people have made an assumption. Yeah. Because to me, it actually just looks like storage area. Yep. Now, we go on to what you mentioned, the Giltspar Street Compter. And I first of all went, well, what is a compter? I don't yep. know what a compter is, so I looked it up. And a compter, sometimes refers referred to as a counter, was a type of small English prison controlled by a sheriff. Mm-hmm. The inmates were usually civil prisoners, for example, dissenters and debtors. So the compter took the overflow from Newgate Prison across the road. The cells are now used as a pub cellar. Uh, and again, if you ask the bartender nicely, you can go down and have a look. Um, so there is a possibility. And I did ask Beth, um, our lovely Beth, um, who now resides in yep. London. And she is a member of the Ghost Club. Yep. And she said they they did do an investigation down there and they did find cells. Yep. But they said, now this is from the Ghost Club's notes, uh, the pub boasts original prison cells in its cellar. Uh, On examination of the area, they found no evidence that prisoners were ever incarcerated there. Mm -hmm. The absence of graffiti carved Mm -hmm. into the brick, the size and location of the cells and the location of the pub itself makes this very unlikely to be the case. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about in one of the other writings in in the book that I was uh, mentioning... Um, they talk about 20 or 30 people um, being in these cells and there is an impossibility no, for that. It's only one person that they could... They could crouch in one of those yeah, and that's about it. ...fit in there and that's it. So somewhere along the line, these all of these stories have got skewed and come on top of each other and so... There's nothing worse than coming on top of each other. <laughs> I know. You know? No, I mean, (laughs) I'm assuming. Um, So going back to – so we've got a couple of things happening. Going back to the fact that um, uh, Newgate is so old, there is a possibility that it spread far further than the Newgate of the 1800s. And it could have dug under the ground. Could have dug under the ground. Uh, It would have been more (sighs) – it would have been better if they had actually found some sort of tunnels that would connected have connected yeah. the, the old cells in the viaduct to the cells at Newgate. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is. I don't know. Have to. There's always secret tunnels, surely. Grab a map and see. That would be awesome. But I'm going to have to put a question mark over the fact of whether what is there now are actually the remnants of old cells. Um, and... As the people from the Ghost Club said, well, one of the things that I agree with is that there is nothing there downstairs in the cellar that would tell you that cells were there of the type and size that were used um, anywhere through the 1800s or 1700s. We've got lots of stories from lots of jails. We know cell yep. sizes. We know and graffiti all of that. was a big thing. Graffiti was a big they thing. They had nothing then, else to do but carve their name into the wall. Yeah, all of a sudden you've got these tiny little things down in a little cellar. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I reckon there's a bit of a furphy on that one. Yeah. But in saying that, it still was a very rough pub and they did have a lot of shenanigans going on in there. So maybe there is some residual energies in there. Maybe there are some ghosts, but there doesn't seem to be huge sightings. It just seems to be a few clairvoyant, not clairvoyant, uh, psychic impressions. And I'm really surprised, like I said, from from a place that had so much activity over so many centuries, you'd think there was more there. But so. they, they do have regular ghost tours there. They have seances. It's a thriving activity of, of business activity that is happening there at the pub. And it's a beautiful pub. Oh, and the cocktails are fabulous. Their toasties are good. I'd go back again. I'd go back again. And I would still go and investigate the whole yeah, thing. I'd like to, especially those upper floors. Oh, yes. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode of True Hauntings. Do you think that it is haunted, Renata? I would like to think it is. Yeah, I just don't think that residual. they've... Yeah, I don't think they've scratched the surface yet. I think people have uh, sort of um, been swayed and have their uh, biases towards it being a prison, so that's what they're looking for, yeah. rather than looking for the characters that yeah. may still reside there. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I, I started off the ending and I have to do it again. This brings us to the end of this week's episode of True Hauntings. If you've enjoyed the episode, please share it around with your family and friends and your boss so that at least they know why you're cacking yourself laughing. Thank you to the people who um, have uh, left reviews. If you could leave, uh, anyone else would like to leave a review, please do. And we finally have worked out who was the winner for the April Lever Review somewhere. And that is Brooke A. P. Brooke AP said, I have only recently found this podcast and I'm totally hooked. All things spooky are presented in such a fresh way. I'm normally turned off um, ter- paranormal shows because I can't stand the over-the-top drama added. Anne and Renata do their research and discuss things uh, that I haven't heard on any other podcast about the same topics. They somehow do this all whilst making me feel like I'm right with them having a giggle. Highly recommend this podcast. I wish I'd found it early. Brooke AP, if you'd like to make contact with us, uh, we will get your prize pack out to you. And thank you so much for leaving a review. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we say goodbye and remember to stay spooky. And we'll see you next time on The Dark Side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.